Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Uh, good evening. So I kind of broke protocol and uh, decided to go ahead and read that scripture. That's kind of what I want to talk about. That's been, that scripture has been our focus this week uh, in our gathering. Uh, full disclosure, I recorded a podcast on the way here this morning, uh, but I had some technical difficulty and wasn't really happy the way it went. Uh, one of the reasons was I, I didn't have a great knowledge of that scripture, but now I've got it on my phone so I can refer to it. Uh, and I want to just talk about this scripture a little bit um, this week. Uh, what we did in our gathering uh, was chose the scripture last week we well gathering we we gathered just two families in our family at our house had dinner together uh and then uh we decided that we would choose the scripture and then talk about it this week uh and then the next week we'll have somebody else choose the scripture uh and then go from there and then the next person so what we'll do is we'll have a scripture that we think about during the week and then we post our reflections on the scripture and so far it's been either in either written audio or video format I think I'm the only one that did video which is the original thought but it's kind of difficult to get the video to work uh, anyway so I thought I'd do a podcast based on this scripture which is a wonderful scripture from the third chapter of Ephesians uh, this is one of those chapters that captures a, a cosmological Christology, right? A, a larger than life, a very large idea of who Christ is and what he's doing in the world. Um, and I think it's, it's a key, uh, a key passage uh, in that I think many of the problems in the world we face are because we don't understand just how uh, broad God's, uh, the, the love of God's reach is. Uh, and therefore, we don't have a very broad reach to our own love. In other words, we don't love as far or deep, as high or as long as God does. And I think that causes a lot of our problems in the world. Um, so let's go to the first part of the scripture. Um, the first part that I noticed, uh, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. So this, this verse talks about, um, that God has given his name or given us, yeah, has given us his name. Okay, so who is the us? Uh, this is a really interesting wording because it doesn't say every person, it says every family. And as you know, families share a name. 
right? Families share a name. Uh, more so in today's world than I would say the, the first century, right? Um, for example, my name is McLean because my father's name was McLean and his father's name was McLean and so on and so on, right? And so we get our names from our fathers. We don't, we don't get our names from somebody who's unrelated to us. We don't get our names from our job, from our employer, for example. Uh, we don't get our name uh, from, from our town, although there has been a, there was a time when people did get their names from a town, right? Uh, and, not, and they got their names from there, uh, also from uh, their occupation. Uh, Miller, for example, is a good occupational last name. But the thing is, you got, you got your name from your father. Your father, uh, you also got your occupation from your father. That's how the world used to work, by and large. And so if your dad was a Miller, you were a Miller. Therefore, you took his occupation and his name. Not, not all names uh, are occupations. Uh, some of them, you know, come from all different places. My, my name, McLean, happens to come from uh, the name of one of my ancestors who lived some seven or eight hundred years ago. Uh, he, be, he was a, perceived as being a great person, and so we all took his name to honor him and to, to show that we belong to, you know, this great person. I guess... I guess that's the definition of progenitor, progenitor. I'm not sure. I have to look that up. But anyway, names come from our fathers. So if God has given us his name, and I have to admit right now, I'm not sure what that is. But if God has given us his name, he's, he's also saying that we're his children. right? And it says every family on earth and in heaven gets its name from God and that means that he is the father of every family on earth and in heaven <clears throat> now I don't pretend to know how heavenly beings procreate right or how that works with heavenly beings are all heavenly beings related for example uh, we have some names of angels Michael was the name of an angel and Gabriel were they family? Were they from different angelic families? I don't know how that works, but apparently there are families in heaven as well, in the heavenly dimension. And so this passage is, is talking about, and it comes through also trying to get all the Christians to understand that, especially the Jewish Christians, that uh, the Gentile Christians, the non-Jewish Christians are also beloved of God. And, and should be accepted as full Christians without having to be Jews, right? Without having to follow the Jewish law or be of Jewish blood. Um, but that's not what this says. This doesn't say that only the Christian families get their name from God. Not only the Christian families are God's children. It says every family gets its name from God. In other words, God claims to be the father of every single person on earth, every family on earth and every family in heaven. We know that people are only born into families. There's no other way to be born, right? We are born from two other humans, right? And if we have children, we will uh, mate with another human to, to create a children. So 
we're always born into families, whether we know our family, whether our family has abandoned us, does not mean that we're still not belonging to a family. But what God is saying is that his family supersedes all of those, all of those families, right? His family includes all of those families in the earthly dimension as well as the heavenly dimension. And this is huge, right? This means that that if everyone, if all families on earth are his children, then he loves all families on all, on earth. And I would I would put equally, right? Whether they know him or whether they don't know him is him is kind of immaterial, right? It's not it's not the point. Uh, and so. In this passage, we're learning that God's love uh, extends to all people, all individuals, all beings on heaven, in heaven, and on earth. All of them he claims as his children. And he is their father. That's why he's given us his name. This is my take on it. Okay. And then we go down a few verses, right? And we start to talk about um, specifically uh, the love of Christ, right? Um, uh, Verse 17 talks about being rooted and grounded in love, right? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So now, he's given these these dimensions, and he doesn't give three dimensions, he gives four dimensions. Okay, he gives breadth, or width, is how we say it these days. And then length, right? And then height. Okay, so that's, that's as far as we usually think, right? And you can, you can, I think length and actually depth can be um, exchanged, right? You can use either one of those. So if I'm talking about a square, usually it's height, width, and depth. Uh, Width is from left to right, height is from up to down, and depth is from here to there is one way to say it, right? Uh, It goes away from you. Uh, But he adds... Uh, another word, breadth to that, right? So how wide, how long, how deep, and how high, right? A really weird way to say this. There aren't four dimensions. There are only three. But he kind of adds a fourth dimension. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about why maybe he does this. And I don't know. I haven't studied this, so I don't know if there is some precedent in... Uh, you know, the Second Temple Judaism literature of the time or in the ancient Near East uh, 2,000 years ago that, you know, this is how they thought about. They thought about height from, for example, eye level up and depth from eye level down, maybe. You know, that may be a way that they they thought about it. But to me, um, Paul is saying there's more dimensions that, that you don't even see. Here's the three you know, but there's another one, right? And so... 
Now, that could refer to the heavenly dimension versus the earthly dimension, right? The earthly dimension is the, are the three that we know, but there's a heavenly dimension that we know exists, but we don't know how to measure, something like that. I don't know. Um, but here it seems, he seems to be saying that if you are rooted and grounded, grounded in love, you will know how wide, long, high and deep God's love is right and if you go back and you talk about how all families on earth and in heaven get their name from God and that God's love involves every single every single being on earth well you're starting to get a picture that there is there are no limits and if there are limits it's the limit of the earth right well, notwithstanding the possibility that there are terrestrial beings, I would think we would still say that um, the earth and then the heavenly dimension could be the limits of God's love. But <clears throat> I think what it's trying to say is there are no limits. So if you understand that there are no limits to God's love, then you can be filled with the fullness of God, I think it says. Yeah, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So if you understand the love of Christ, which is more than you can know, right? It goes farther than you have the ability to comprehend. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God. God's fullness <coughs> is something that is immeasurable. The Old Testament talks about it in... in you know, terms of as far as the east is from the west, right? Um, that's how that's how far uh, God's love is, right? And if you go east and west in a straight line, of course, the two never meet, presumably. Uh, and and therefore, the distance from the east to the west is anything from minuscule to in infinite, right? It's infinite. So I feel like this passage, Paul is really trying to get, especially the Jewish Christians, to comprehend that God's love has no limits. Therefore, it does not exclude, number one, the Gentiles, and, and I'd say probably number one, he's trying to get them to to include the Gentile Christians, the Gentiles who have believed on Christ, but also all people everywhere, right? God's love includes everyone. And I think if you look at this in one way, at least one way to see this is that if God has given his name or given our names, uh, given, given names to all the people in heaven as well, you have to include Satan in there, that Satan being a creative be created being uh, must be one of God's children. Now, we would say, well, Satan is is a bad child of God, maybe the worst. You know, maybe that's possible, but that doesn't mean that God's love wouldn't extend to him; that he wouldn't uh, disown him. Right? He hasn't disowned any of his children, as far as we know. Now, many of his children may disown him. In fact, I think that does happen probably because, you know, we have free will. That's something that 
you would have to believe is possible, right? That we can disown God. But it doesn't mean from his side that he has disowned us. Uh, and I, I really think this is a big deal. It's not It's not just some small, um, small thing, right? This is huge. It's huge because Christians' inability to love people unlike them and I would say mankind's inability to love people who are unlike them is the major problem in the world and always has been. Um, starts with Genesis, Cain and Abel, right? Cain was a farmer. Abel was a keeper of animals, a shepherd. Already rivalry, Cain kills Abel because they're not the same. Right? Rivalry. And I think I think this is this is the major sin that entered the world. Now you can say that the the sin that entered the world was uh, Eve trusting the serpent and not trusting God. But I don't think the <clears throat> I don't think the natural consequences of that choice are very dire. Compared to compared to the consequences of killing a human being. Right? It's not the same thing. Now one may have led to the other. It's quite possible, right? The distrusting of God may have led to um, jealousy and malice of, of Cain killing Abel. I'm not sure how that played out exactly, but um, this this tendency of human beings not to accept the other, Right to be suspicious of the other, to be jealous of the other, uh, you would have to say has caused all of the major problems in the world um, forever. Right? They're not like me, therefore they they are not as good as me. Uh, I don't want them to have what I have, and I want what they have. Uh, and and this vicious cycle. <clears throat> that humans have been living in uh, of rivalry and competition has caused all the problems in the world. I, re I really think you could trace it to that, right? And so here, Paul's doing what he can in this context to try and get people to grasp that God is, has accepted everyone, so how can we reject anyone? Now, of course, there are levels, right? You know, if, if you have a person who is, who is violent and who is hurting other people, I can, I can see why we would want to separate that person uh, for a time so that they wouldn't be able to harm other people. That's, that's, that's just common sense, right? Uh, if you have people in an abusive relationship, you try to separate those people uh, and then see if, you know, you can't help work out the problem, right? Help people to treat each other better, help, help people to become reconciled and, and whatever. 
<clears throat> but it doesn't mean you you have to stop loving them. You know, how, how do you love someone who has done you wrong? Now, Jesus talks about this quite a bit, right? Uh, what does he say? If somebody, if somebody, you know, strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek, right? If somebody takes your cloak, give them also your shirt. If somebody asks you to, to carry his load for one mile, carry it for two miles, right? These people who are who are doing wrong to you, right? Uh, they give you an opportunity to be Christ back to them because this is what Christ did for us, right? Even though we killed him, he forgave us. <coughs> Not only did he forgive us, uh, we continue to be called his children, right? By grace, we have been made right, right? Made right before God. We've we've become righteous before God because of because of who Jesus is, right? Because of that forgiveness that He affords us. Um. So this this verse is is crazy crazy deep right it's very dense it's very thick uh, as is you know a lot of a lot of these passages as are a lot of these passages especially in Ephesians Colossians uh, Romans obviously <clears throat> uh, when he gets theological um, you should beware that, that you need to look very closely uh, and take your time with a, with a passage. This last part is really interesting, though, right? When he talks about the fullness of God, that you may be filled with the, filled with the fullness of God. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This... <clears throat> This fullness of God rhetoric uh, happens in another place. Uh, I believe it's Colossians 1, where Paul says that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. That in Christ was the fullness of God. This is this is the very similar, uh, very similar thing. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Wow! So the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. And if if we if we know if. Let's see. If we know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, the fullness of Christ of God will also be pleased to dwell in us. Wow. This is huge, right? The fullness of God can dwell in me? What does that mean? What does it mean for the fullness of God to dwell in me? Well, I feel like <clears throat> I'd like to look at the Greek to see if it's similar language or not in the original. My idea of first Colossians of Colossians, first Colossians. Sorry, the first chapter of Colossians was that God was establishing 
the authority of Christ in saying that the fullness of God dwelt in Christ. In other words, Christ was fully God. Was, is. Christ is fully God in that he is able to speak for God. Uh, he knows all things that God knows. He has the power of God. He, the fullness of God, dwells in him. And here, my assumption is that this fullness of God is, is how he loves everyone in heaven and on earth, that he has accepted everyone, that he, uh, he considers himself to be the father of all, and therefore he loves all of his children. He excludes no one, right? And that's the fullness of God that can dwell in us. So it, it seems to be similar language, but I feel like it's saying something slightly different. So that's something I'd, I'd want to compare. But on the other hand, on the other hand, there are passages that talk about how we have been given the keys, uh, the, the keys uh, to unlock, what is it? The keys to the gates of Hades, right? We have been given the gates. Whatever is bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Right, there's this interesting language that Christ uses. Uh, and other places where, where Christ wants us to realize that there is authority that is given to us as well. Well, really that authority comes from Adam. When Adam was given the authority to name the animals. Here we're back to naming, right? There's another, there's another interesting correlation between Adam's naming of the animals and God's naming of mankind, giving all of us his name. He calls us by his name. Or he gives us his name. Um, and he gave man authority over the earth to subdue it, right? To subdue the earth. And he gave us the authority to name the animals. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I've talked about before how naming something is a way to bring order to chaos, right? We bring order to chaos through naming. Another way you could say this is through classifying or categorizing, right? Um, not to make it too institutional sounding, but naming anything helps us to start to understand it better. Uh, when we see uh, this thing over here has a similar name to this thing over here, we can start to see the, the similarities and maybe differences. and and be able to know something better through that process of naming um, help us helps us to remember something when we see it again right um, so that we can perhaps go go farther and deeper with it the second time we see it so man how do I bring all this together it's kind of tough to wrap this up it's such a such a huge concept Actually, I need to remember that the road is closed in front of me and that I could probably take a slight detour to save a little time from here. So I think I'll go straight here and over the back. Might be faster. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, so 
this is such a great um, scripture. One thing that I didn't talk about um, is what Paul said right before verse 14. Because for, for, verse 14 starts with, for this reason. Okay, what reason? Okay, what is the reason that Paul bends his knee, knees before the Father? Right? What is the reason he talks about? So I'm going to read from the beginning of Gotta be careful navigating through here. I'm gonna listen to this real quick. Let's see. Can I listen? I thought I could listen. Uh, NRSV doesn't have the ability for me to listen, I suppose. Huh. That's a bummer. Well, never mind. Maybe I'll get that next time. Maybe that's something I'll try to tie in uh, when I come back to this at a time. the we out the we uh, so yeah that is Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 19 really we've been kind of talking about it all week <laughs> oh did I miss it I think I did dumb dumb Michael I think I just missed the turn I needed to take <laughs> it again. It seems like it may have saved me time though because I didn't have any lights. It's possible. I don't know. Probably not. Now the road ahead of me is blocked so I have to go all the way around this long detour which I was trying to get around in the beginning. Alright, well thank you guys. Uh, something I want to mention is that I have been thinking about and maybe I've even mentioned in the podcast that I want to try a new format at some point maybe in addition to these uh, podcasts something that's a little bit more uh, planned and sit down in nature uh, I'm thinking to host them on YouTube uh, I don't know that's gonna, that, that that's gonna happen until I actually try to get one out there I may do a YouTube live option as well uh, I've got some time, I think, where I could devote uh, to doing this um, once in a while uh, in the next in the next year, between now and Christmas. Um, so we'll see if that pans out. With the epidemic, or sorry, pandemic, the way it is, there are just no guarantees about what my schedule is going to be like. Everything is so up in the air and topsy-turvy. It's just crazy, really trying to figure out how everything goes so and I'll let you guys know beforehand so that maybe you can tune in and maybe maybe we can do something a little more interactive like a uh, a, uh, a panel or a zoom that would be fun too um, actually that's what I'd like to do perhaps is to uh, invite a number of people who can who can get on zoom and then I can record the zoom meeting and then make that available on YouTube that that could be really great actually yeah maybe I'll think about doing that I think I'm gonna take a shortcut here all right well anyway you guys have a great evening I'll be home in about uh, 10 minutes um, so this is probably a good place to cut off thanks for listening as always and uh, you guys have a great 
uh, day. This is September 1st, by the way. I didn't mention that. September 1st, 2021. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.